0: The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. We're going to kick things off as we will every day here in the show with our afternoon update. We will catch you up on all that has happened today, these stories that matter most and joining me for the afternoon update today is Daniel McConnell the editor at the Business Post and Sean O'Regan News Talk reporter Uh, gentlemen you're both very welcome thanks a million same to you uh, Danny Uh, Sean I mentioned the fire um, in Ringsend so Gardaí have set up an incident room to investigate this what can you
1: tell us Well, Kieran, a former Garda detective says a huge amount of work will be involved in solving the suspected arson case which happened in Ringsend in Dublin. The disused pub was the scene of anti-immigration protests before it was gutted by the fire on New Year's Eve. Now, it was falsely claimed as well that the bar itself was to house asylum seekers. The reaction to this has been strong. Justice Minister Helen McEntee has said Gardaí are doing everything possible to determine the cause of the fire, while Labour's Justice Spokesperson Aon O'Riordan says it's outrageous that our brave firefighters have to be on the front line dealing with hate attacks like this. And Pat Murray that we caught up with earlier, a retired detective inspector, has said that Gardaí would be looking at social media as part of their investigation. From what I can gather from newspaper reports and all of that is that um, you have um, social media uh, talk about arson about that premises prior to any fire happening there. So... Whoever
0: put that up is, is certainly would fall into the realm of suspect. Uh, Danny, um, he also Pat Mary also uh, was the one who made the point that a huge amount of work would be involved in solving the suspected arson case, mm. and and I suspect he's right, given that we've had more than a few of these around the country. We have, and as far yeah. as I can tell, nobody has been charged.
2: No, and, and I mean it's it's eerily reminiscent of what happened only a few weeks ago in Galway, where uh, a hotel, an abandoned hotel, was essentially. Uh, Subject to a similar arson attack. And again, look, this cannot be allowed to stand. You know, in a civilised society, this cannot be allowed to stand that uh, even premises that are subject to speculation that they may be involved um, are are, being, are now being targeted. Um, now, there's a small, we know, relatively speaking, Ireland has opened its doors to an awful lot of people coming in from both Ukraine and elsewhere. And we've done so, I won't say seamlessly, but we've done so through an extraordinary state effort and also an extended, I think, particularly in the early stages of the war in Ukraine, there was now pouring of support for people. But there was generally has been a a superb response. I think what we're seeing now is that, you know, there's the sense or there's increased sense, I suppose the government's own reaction is that, you know, they haven't enough space to accommodate the, the people who are now coming in. They've amended their own terms and conditions for people who'll be here after 90 days. But you now have this very malicious undercurrent coming to the surface we saw it in the riots in Dublin which Mm -hmm. I was in talking to you about recently enough Um, you know something that began as a kind of a a protest about Ireland being full in inverted commas which morphed into kind of random you know hooliganism and and looting etc in terms of how do you police this? Like, does this mean that every abandoned building in the country now has to be kind of subject to sort of monitoring, or kind of because they may be tar- it may be targeted? all
0: two hundred thousand of them, <clears throat> you know, depending on
2: whose like, numbers you. Go whose by. numbers you? But I think from the state's response, you know, to date is like no one has yet been charged or no one has yet been brought to account in terms of that incident in Galway, which you know um, there was. If you read some reports, there was some chatter on kind of some elements of social media about. Um, there are definitely forces without question whipping up anti-migrant sentiments There's no, and there are people thinking that this is perfectly legitimate. If you saw the reaction on some accounts, you know, when these, when that incident happened and the incident in Ring's End happened the other day, it said, you know, more of this, this is great, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Like, disgraceful and disgusting sort of behaviour and, and, and kind of utterances. But there's definitely a cohort of people who think that this is appropriate behaviour. It most certainly isn't. And I think those who are found guilty of and hopefully they are found guilty and, and, and are, are brought to justice very quickly. Um, are, are are not given any sort of quota I think you know we like yeah. this is not tolerable in a civilized society.
0: Uh, I, I mean, there's two elements to it, I guess. There's the, there's the 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 suspected arson attack, and you know if people keep getting away with something; they'll keep doing it. Yeah. Um, and then there's the the question of of what buildings in a particular community are going to be used, and what people know about them. And listen, it's understandable that people have an interest or a curiosity in their own community. There's an abandoned weather station about 200 metres from my house it's going to be used for social housing but until that was confirmed everyone wanted to know what, it, what, what what's that going to, that going to, to? Of course, yeah. because it's part of your community People yeah. are inve- it's a good thing people yeah. are invested in their community but in this case I'm not sure this idea of a kind of a vacuum of information stands up because everyone knew it was emergency accommodation yeah. they just didn't know whether it was for Irish people or for sure. dark-skinned people. Yeah. that's ultimately what people wanted to know. Are you are you putting foreigners in there? Yeah. Or are you putting Irish people in? And
2: there? I think the tone of I think actually, you're absolutely right. We saw it in East Wall. and We saw the nature on the fringes of, of some of these because we saw it up in 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 Finglas as well. Um, in in a, in a kind of a business kind of estate or an industrial estate, you know, if it, if this is a kind of an emergency accommodation, as you say, for Irish people who are essentially you know yeah. the traditional homeless people as, as we might consider. Yeah. It, you know, that's one thing. But if it's, you know, these migrant males are coming in who've basically, their own vetted, you know, there's a suspicion that they're all junking their documents, et cetera, like this, you know, on their way into Ireland and it's a free-for-all which is not true either. Um, um, But yeah, this is the sort of uh, kind of mindset that some of these people have. I think the government does stand accused of allowing vacuum, dangerous vacuums to emerge at local level.
0: The the, the Taoiseach said it, you know, we have have to do something about all these myths that percolate. And and I can't remember him or any of his colleagues standing in front of a microphone and going through that list. Unvetted males, here's why that's wrong. Tens of thousands of kind of fighting age men, here's why that's wrong. Ukrainian draft dodgers, here's why that's wrong. Yeah. They, none of them have actually They all have gra- acknowledged mm. that we need to do it Yeah but none, maybe they but, should do but it
2: But also I think you know the system has proven itself so inflexible at times that you know essentially you know and I, I think one of the things I've noticed a lot and it happened a lot during COVID-19 that if it's not in the direct responsibility or area of responsibility of the Department of Justice for example it's not their problem if it's not in the Department of Housing yeah. it's not their problem it's somebody else's problem to deal with so they don't really they don't really care uh, and ultimately what we have is is these kind of issues falling between cracks, and ultimately you have individual... I think what you saw in Shankill and Ballybrack, you saw individual local representatives trying to intervene and fill that vacuum where where the vacuum emerged, to some degree to try and calm tensions. That shouldn't be the way things happen. Now, if you were to, I don't know, like, is it... Can you simply go, right, in three weeks' time, this building is going to be, you know, the place, and, you know, tell everybody are you like are you only inviting sort of difficulty there but if you do that i don't know but i certainly think the idea or the myth or even the perception that you're bussing people in Late at night, under the you know the shadow of kind of darkness, yeah. etc., like that. That is that is a perception that seems to have some legitimacy because they seem to have done that on numerous occasions, and it's not one that inspires a great deal of confidence mm. in the government's handling of all of this.
0: All right. Well, listen. I suspected something <clears throat> we're going to be talking about. Unfortunately, uh, for weeks and months to come, we're going to talk about this particular incident in Ringsend again after five o'clock. Uh, but uh, Sean, uh, another issue uh, that everybody's talking about today is this change of tactics, change of strategy, it seems, in Gaza from the IDS, the the Israeli Defence Forces.
1: Yeah Kieran. thousands of Israeli soldiers are being moved out of the Gaza Strip the IDF has said, which marks the first significant drawdown of troops since this war began. Israel also pulled tanks out of some of Gaza's cities' districts in what the US said was a shift to different military tactics in northern Gaza. Now the US, who are obviously Israel's chief ally, has pressured the country in recent weeks to switch to lower intensity fighting. Israel though has vowed to charge ahead until its war aims have been achieved, including dismantling Hamas, which has ruled Gaza for 16 years. Still to this day we have over 100 Israeli hostages being held by Hamas while it's reported at least a thousand Palestinians are being killed each and every week. We caught up with Paul Rogers earlier who's Emeritus Professor of Peace Studies at Bradford University and he said that the Israeli economy is beginning to suffer.
0: Basically, they're withdrawing some of their reserve troops, not least because I think the economy is experiencing problems because of lack of particularly skilled personnel. And I think they're finding this necessary. We're being told that this is because uh, the war is sort of scaling down somewhat. I think that's very difficult to believe. I mean, we're still seeing well over a 1000 Palestinians killed every week, week in, week out. Danny, the the, the express aims of Benjamin Netanyahu and the IDF at the outset of all of this were the recovery of hostages and the destruction of Hamas and mm. um, however unrealistic people were quick to to highlight that uh, aim as being this is a tacit admission that things have changed hasn't it i mean it if you are putting troops out you're not looking for hostages
2: no you're not and i think the, the the shift from sort of ground forces to kind of targeted military strikes and targeted incursions i think as they're calling it um i think there's probably also a realization that you know Israel today has basically said we're kind of almost tone deaf to the international criticism mm. that we're getting about that the scale of loss, of the, in terms of loss of life, but sooner or later, they, they you know they simply couldn't ignore. I think those those kind of calls forever. And um, I think you know when you're losing, I think it's it, you know it's twenty two thousand people have been killed so far. Yeah. You know that's a horrendous number in what a couple of months. Um, I mean that scale of loss of life when you think of it, you know. 3,500 people lost their lives during the th- 30 years of the Troubles in Northern Ireland and 22,000 people have lost their lives in, in less than three months I- I- during this stage stage of the conflict. Like... Israel, sooner or later, was going to, I think, have to come to some realisation that what they were doing, the total annihilation of Hamas was never going to, work. like, you're never going to wipe out Hamas completely. Because, as we've seen time and time again, you know, martyrs emerge and then they become the symbols of the next generation who will take up arms in their place and be more radicalised and be more... Well, communist. you see
0: all ra- in the West Bank, there's been a huge uh, increase in support for Hamas, yeah. where yeah. the Palestinian Authority yeah. held sway. And also, what you're seeing, is, and because we, we've had
2: reporters on the ground in both in Tel Aviv and in Gaza, telling us that you know the official narrative on the television screens and on the airways in Israel is a very uh, sanitized version of what's going on. So, or it's a very deliberately manipulated version of what of, of the truth. So, you know, all the time you have the the, the kind of a, 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 an information vacuum feeding into, I think, questionable decision making. But also, as well, I think you know, truth be told, you know, the U.S. The US's sort of ambivalence and kind of failure to really condemn Israel. As spoken volumes, I think. Mm. And they've tolerated an awful lot of loss of life in the last few weeks. And I think you know, Joe Biden, I think, definitely has a huge amount of questions to ask. The international community have a huge amount of questions uh, to answer. And I think it also shows, once again, the futility of the United Nations as it's currently constituted.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, listen, at the other end of the spectrum entirely, in terms, I think, of, of global impact, um, Ryan Tuberty, John, back on the radio today in the UK.
1: He was, and before the red on-air light went on in the Virgin Radio UK studio this morning, Tuberty said he wanted unending and unyielding attention and love from his listeners ahead of the launch of his new show. He played to his Irish listeners first thing this morning anyway because he began a show with U2's Pride in the Name of Love. Obviously the former RT presenter left earlier this year because of the controversy surrounding undisclosed payments and he took the reins of Virgin Radio's mid-morning show this morning and said it'll be a getting to know you process at first and during that opening he outlined to his new listeners what they can expect from him over the coming weeks.
2: If you're a political anorak like i am you'll get to know these things i'm a bookworm i'm a nerd i'm a a, i like star trek i i i i watch i i read newspapers i like hard copy books even when i was coming across from airport to airport my bag was so stuffed with books they couldn't fit into the and you know people say get a kindle no you get a kindle i don't want a kindle i don't want i don't want a device that says you have forty-four percent of your book read. I want a bookmark with leaves, and I don't want to smell the print. I want to go into the shop and go, ah, look at the spines—they're my friends. So I, I, that's that's where I am going with that. If if that's your vibe, well then you are going to enjoy what we do
0: here, Danny. I'll give him this. It is remarkable how Ryan Tubridy has managed to convince people that he is somehow unique amongst the eight billion people in the world in that he likes books. And one of the most successful TV franchises of all time. Yeah, I just. You uh, know. I, I never got it with
2: Ryan Troubledy. <laughs> like, like his one hour show on RT was just a rambling series of incoherent nonsense, really. And, and like Three hours what, of it now. Three hours of it now. And I just. I just. I never got it. I didn't get it on the late, late. I really didn't. I thought, yeah, Grand The Toy Show was his stick and he did very well. And I have small kids who loved The Toy Show on his watch, fair, fair play. But, you know, for all his history and for all his love of books. He has proven himself time and time again to be the most insubstantial interviewer going. Like, like there were times where he had guests on the Late Late Show and he would just let them off the hook. So many mm-hmm. times he'd have people on his morning show, and there was you know, the obvious question there to be asked, and he just let it drift by or f- you know always divert or revert back to the inconse- inconsequential drivel. He's no Terry Wogan. Terry Wogan was a proper broadcaster, and rightly credited for being a proper broadcaster. Mm-hmm. Um, Gay Byrne was a proper broadcaster. Pack Kenny, who graces our radios every morning in the station, is a proper broadcaster. Kieran, you are a proper. broadcaster Oh, you
0: know? I'm for a <laughs> go. Go. I know. There you But
2: um, <laughs> <laughs> but like Ryan Tobry, like good luck to Chris. Chris Evans seems to have some growth from. Um, and he, they've like if you look at all the we the, know what he's the, earning. It's less than a hundred thousand euro by all accounts, so it's a substantial kind of reduction now. This is in the context nobody knows of him in the United Kingdom. Yes he's done yeah. various stints as standing presenters but like he's not a personality. They're trying to pick him up as Ireland's greatest export since you know Guinness or whatever like that but he's like he's an unknown quantity and it's not where he is in three weeks time that'll determine the success or failure of Ryan Tubley. It's where he is in three months and three years if he's still there. If he
0: builds an audience they'll keep him. If he doesn't it's, for,
2: it's commercial radio. There will be no hiding
0: place. I, I like this text. Did Ryan Tupperdy really say he reads newspapers as a defined characteristic? <laughs> the mind boggling. Unfortunately, they are becoming lesser and lesser. <laughs> I so know, so maybe maybe <laughs> that is one time. <laughs> <like. laughs> uh, listen, uh, very briefly then, before you go, Sean, because uh, this has just happened in the last little while, is Jenny Hermosa. People will remember Jenny Hermosa uh, because she was kissed uh, on the lips after Spain won the World Cup this summer. And there's been legal developments in that case that situation this afternoon what's happened?
1: Yeah Hermosa herself has testified in court in a sexual assault case against the country's former FA president Luis Rubiales last summer she says he didn't have permission to kiss her during the Women's World Cup trophy ceremony that's after Spain beat England 1-0 last summer but he claims and is still claiming that it was consensual even though he resigned from his role following the incident so the court is examining evidence including CCTV footage to decide whether to take her criminal complaint of sexual assault and coercion to trial and a judge will now decide whether Rubiales should be tried for both sexual assault and coercion
0: that's just in kind of an ignominious way to still be talking about the world cup isn't it? it certainly
2: is like i mean it's not really consensual if she's saying it's not consensual no like, I mean, she's been
0: th- quite a, she hasn't changed her tune in no, that regard she hasn't. from the moment it happened no.
2: and like i mean what was more interesting i think was the corporate fallout of all of this was the reaction of not only UEFA and FIFA in terms of you know they like who kind of backed up who in all of this and it led to this much it became a much bigger issue rather than an individual sort of but I suppose on when it happens on the world stage like this and it did become I suppose a, a kind of a it was a moment in terms of that it defined relations between the sexes because obviously the female game has played second fiddle to the male game for so long this was a major showpiece occasion for the female game and it was overshadowed completely by this um, so it'll be very interesting but as, as you say just reading the copy from the course today I mean she's unequivocal and she's yeah. not backing down
0: from her position at all Danny McConnell editor at the Business Post Sean O'Regan News Talk reporter gentlemen thank you both very much for joining us for the afternoon update uh, today The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan weekdays from 4 on News Talk